Welcome to That Foreign Feeling, a podcast that creates space for conversations surrounding mental health, grief, and loss. When you may not know what you are feeling exactly, but you know something is different. You may not be able to explain it or understand it. All of these feelings are what we call That Foreign Feeling. Welcome back for another episode of That Foreign Feeling. Today we have myself, Steph, and Anna, and Grace all here to talk about behind the scenes of the butterfly path. So, uh, first, Anna, do you want to tell us why we started, you started, not we, we started the foreign feeling, Anna started the butterfly path. Um, yeah, and I know we've kind of talked about it before in kind of previous episodes, but it's also it's kind of good to, it's kind of fun, I guess, to think back. Um, we will, in October, we'll be six already, which is really exciting because um, it's just, you know, nonprofits with funding and things like that. Sometimes it's hard to get to even five, so I'm really celebrating and really grateful for us making it to six years. I'm hoping to continue our mission and things like that. But um, I guess six years ago is when we started the butterfly path and it was fueled by passion, frustration, seeing a need and also kind of going through my own struggles with mental health. So, but what's interesting is So my dad passed away, right, from suicide, but I wanted to start the butterfly path before he started, or before he passed away, excuse me, and um, essentially, so when I was, because he passed away when I was 23, so probably like 21, 22, um, I guess, or when I was started getting diagnosed with, you know, my mental health things when I was 19, 20. Um, that's when we, my family and I really saw the lack of resources or lack of knowledge of the current resources, things like that. Um, even people who it, it's not all about being able to afford therapy or things like that. Sometimes it's just being able to find the help. Um, that's Mm -hmm. kind of some of like the first steps. And so I, um, I started a blog called, surviving young to kind of just like talk about my story um, because I was always super involved in the community. I was really outgoing, things like that. So when I got diagnosed with depression, everything like talk about that foreign feeling, like you really don't know like what's going on. And it's really um, essentially foreign because you don't all of a sudden you're known as this like bubbly person, but then you can't get out of bed. And so that's really, it was really hard for me. Um, So I just kind of, found it very therapeutic to just kind of start blogging about it so and it kind of felt fitting calling it surviving young because it's it's a doggy dog world surviving you know your 20s and things like that so um Mm -hmm. so then people kind of reached out about mental health and things like that um asking for you know not not just like advice but resources or even just reaching out about my own mental health struggles and things like that after I'd post blogs. Um, And then after kind of talking with my mom and parents might be asking her where to find resources and where to get their kids help or themselves help or 
whatever the instance may be, uh, we just kind of started talking about, you know, just the lack of resources out there. And then, and then you get into, you know, the financial part. And then, I mean, it's a whole domino effect, of course, and it's not a one size fits all, but then, um, I just kind of kept more of like a mental health advocacy throughout college and, um, Bethel Lutheran and Hudson, they did a mental health series and I was, that's kind of one of the first times I publicly spoke out about my, um, like in person. And then like the newspaper did an article on it. Um, and the front page said like Anna Johnson, um, something. And then like depression was like in the big bold words. And that was really huge because that was kind of one of the first times we were really actually talking about it and labeling it. And it was just really, um, I guess, cool after I spoke publicly about it, even people of all ages, even like my grandparents' ages, they would come up to me and talk about their own mental health and that they were diagnosed with depression and they've, you know, lived their life with it and that I can, you know, I'll get through, you know, it just was really, I guess, heartfelt and it was nice having the community kind of come together with such a scary topic. Um, Mm -hmm. And then kind of after I spoke publicly about it, a year went by and I did like some speaking stuff in schools and things like that, just about mental health. Um, And then my dad passed away from suicide and I got really confused because so I put my mental health advocacy on hold for a few months because I couldn't understand how someone without, you know, being labeled depressed or having mental health, um, I guess for lack of a better term, like illness symptoms, how they could take, you know, how suicide could, they could pass away by suicide, I guess. Um, And that's why I'm really passionate about getting research on suicide because it really is more than just being labeled depressed. Um, It's a lot about the brain and things like that. So um, in October, after my dad died in June, um, October, I launched, I kind of informally launched the Butterfly Path, um, but we started selling shirts called choose happy on them and that was kind of that kind of kick-started our whole mission essentially and that's how we started gaining funding right away um to really kick off the butterfly path so that's kind of the why we started it was it kind of trickled from my own needs to um this is affecting more people than just those labeled with mental illness you know diagnosis Mm -hmm. so Cause a lot of them do think of it as like, well, they don't realize it cause it's a foreign feeling. They don't have the, the label yet, mm-hmm. which I was going to ask. So like seeing that headline with depression on it, then did that make you feel better? Like you knew what it was, so you could treat it. You had said like, it was scary. Was it hard? Like identifying that and then switching out of that or I think I was still dealing with, with the, you know, depression and anxiety and things like that. And what I've kind of learned is like my anxiety fuels the depression. So when I get really anxious, my body just gets worn down and then it's harder to get out of bed in the morning because one, I don't want to face the anxiety um, and I'm just exhausted. And then it's just like, you know, all the thoughts start taking over in your brain, things like that. Um, I've really had to work on it. I mean, I'm 28. So I've been working on it for eight years and it's still, 
you know, still comes and goes, of course, but um, it also, I don't know. I remember when, even before I like the headline, you know, kind of came out with that, my dad would take me on um, mental health field trips is what we called it. So it was kind of when I was going through the first round of my DBT program. Um, it to kind of get me out of bed and things like that. Cause it was in the summertime. I moved back home after transferring college um, or transferring to a different college. And um, so it was a lot of everyday kind of like picking up your feet and just kind of, you know, surviving essentially, mm-hmm. because it really mm-hmm. does kind of take over. So, but it mm-hmm. speaking out about it is really therapeutic for me too. And so kind of seeing like that headline, it was, I felt like I was doing something like good in the world and kind of trying to help others. And like, that's why I speak out about it. And that's helping others is like very therapeutic to me. So. And your choose happy t-shirts that you mentioned, we did do a full episode on that to kick off season one. Yes. Listening. So. Um, I just have one more question before we move on. When you were all of a sudden like depressed and you're an outgoing person, did you start questioning like who who am I? Like am I outgoing? Or did you feel okay going back to being outgoing? Or was there always kind of the question there once you saw mental health kick in and how depression uh changed that? Um, it actually started making sense when I went to one of my first therapy appointments to the therapist who I still see today, which is wild. Um, and she talked about my social threshold and she kind of just grew like a diagram and essentially said, we all have this, like, no matter how extroverted or introverted. So I now call myself like an extroverted introvert or introverted extrovert, kind of, you know, like one of those things Yeah. when my social threshold hits. I need, I need a night in, I need a weekend in, I, like this weekend, I didn't really do much, um, I, I'll take naps, I really need to kind of take care of myself, so when I'm go, 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 I really have to listen to my body and my mind, and be like, okay, after this, I really need to, and I'm still learning that, and still working on that, because I love to pack my schedule, and I love to see people and I love hanging out with people and going to events. But then it's like my body just gets so tired and mentally I could just get drained. And so that was more, that was nice to kind of understand that I am quote unquote, like normal in that sense. Like I just have this social threshold that sometimes, and it could be, it could change each season. So I know like when winter hits, I don't, my social threshold will probably be smaller because it gets darker out and things like that. And I remember when I started noticing I was sleeping a lot in the wintertime, um, my psychiatrist basically explained that when it gets darker out, like our natural melatonin levels rise. And so we just, that's why a lot of us are tired too. And I'm like, well, mine just kick in the second then it hits, <laughs> you know, the <laughs> goes down because I was just sleeping so much. Um, so in that sense, it makes me feel more normal that it's not just, you know, my depression taking over, like some things are, you know, okay to kind of go through. 
as we talk about like mm-hmm. seasonal depression and things like that, but um, kind of just understanding the way my body and mind work has kind of helped. And that's, I mean, I had to come to terms with like being depressed and things like that, but mm-hmm. kind of understanding that I just have, I can also have a different social threshold is also okay too. With kids at home and a family business, it doesn't take much for my schedule to get thrown off. Flexible therapy options has been a lifesaver. That's why I choose BetterHelp, the sponsor of today's podcast. I can change my appointment easily via their app. Switch from a video call to a hands-free phone call if I end up on the road, or change from a video or call to real-time messaging from my phone or computer if my kids are around. If you think BetterHelp could be the right choice for you in your unpredictable schedule, check out our description and look for the link betterhelp.com slash thatforeignfeeling. Clicking that link helps support this podcast, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. Again, we will have that link in our description below, but if you have a pen handy, that's betterhelp.com slash thatforeignfeeling. Thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode. I love that phrase, social threshold. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we should maybe do a podcast on that yeah, sometime. Because I, I had a conversation um, with my husband the other day, and I was like, oh, I just like feel like I can't do as much as other people can do. Like, I don't know how to do it. Like, what I have going on is enough. And he's like, well, you know some people are outgoing. I was like, hmm. and, he, and he, oh, some people can handle more. I'm like, hmm. and I, he, I love him. Not the best with words. But, <laughs> and he didn't mean it like in a bad way, but I was like, hmm, I don't think that's how he would word it. But I, at the same time, I think it bothered me because I do feel that way. Um, Like I would love if I could do all the things, but I noticed like I'll get cranky and I have the girls at home. Right. I don't want to get cranky because then I fire off on them. And then that's when, especially when that happens, that I know that social threshold has been met. And I'm like, I just need to rest and like tune out and stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. When I start getting like agitated, I'm like, okay, hit the brake a little bit. Mm-hmm. How about you, Grace? I feel like I have a very hard time with that as well. Like it's a very gray matter for me because feel like I don't do it for myself all the time like I put myself in the social settings because people ask me to mm-hmm. and I hate I'm a very like yes person unless I have like a really good excuse because I'm really bad at excuses and like I just want to be involved I have really bad FOMO like I don't like missing out on stuff so for me I just do it and then like when I come home and I lay in bed and I'm like shoot like I shouldn't have done that because now I'm over it you know, and then the next morning, it just takes me a little bit longer. But I, now that you guys like pointed out, like, I guess I never really thought about it. Because like I said, I just always just say yes. But maybe I need to take a step back and be like, you know what, maybe you should just say no. And you don't need to do everything. You can say, let me think about it. When I realized that, which was like, in the last couple of years, and I could answer somebody like, you know what, let me think about that and get back to you. It was like game changer for me because I didn't feel immediately guilty. I didn't feel immediately stressed out. I felt like I'm going to think mm-hmm. about it and and I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. But usually when I say that, then I'm like, oh God, I'm just dragging this out because I really don't want to, but I don't want to turn down. <laughs> 
So, like, when someone says that to me, I'm like, oh, God, they did not want to. They just don't know how to tell me no. But I do think that you're right. Like, we do need to be better at just, like, taking a step back and being like, okay, is this really what is, like, best for me right now? Is this really something that I want to do? And not just assuming that they just don't want to. Because it could be, like, how you're saying, like, I just need a second to think. And is this Mm -hmm. something that I really want to do? It's not them being like, oh, Grace, I really don't want to do that. I just don't know how to tell you no. (laughs) Yeah. I was listening to something today and it said how you live your days is how you live your life because your life is essentially all your days compiled together and it was talking about it because it was talking about a rule of life which actually fits into this because it's like planning out like your boundaries what's important to you like knowing like I can't stay up past 10 o'clock multiple nights a week I can't say yes how many times in a week can we have a play date how many times Mm -hmm. can I go out to eat because of how it's going to affect the different areas and like what ultimately I want my life to like look at in like two or three years and whatever is so is interesting but I like that a lot it kind of makes you take a step back and think oh yeah for sure it's like a bigger picture Mm -hmm. so you have to step back and And then I'm like oh I should sit down and make one of those and then I am stressed out by the time to have to make one of those but I do feel like most of growing up is feeling like I'm going backwards I know what doesn't work and I like Mm -hmm. try to find what works again but Um, back to the butterfly path (laughs) yeah so like the butterfly path is obviously a non-profit so a lot of it has to do with a bunch of fundraising and you have like your big one for your golf tournament and stuff so how would you like say that your fundraising goes you have like your big one and then you do like smaller ones or yeah so that's been kind of newer for our organization because before we we had kind of an online store where that's where a lot of kind of our funding would go towards um or kind of help with and then we would do smaller fundraisers in in between kind of thing the hard thing about that was um like manpower because we're all volunteer we're a volunteer-based organization so a lot of us or all of us have stuff going on you know during the day so whether that's a full-time job staying at home with your kids things like that um and what we kind of we've always wanted to do kind of a big fundraiser and so it kind of was the time last year kind of worked out because it was my dad's uh fifth year angelversary and so it kind of helped push us. It was just a good time, right, to kind of kick off the golf tournament fundraiser. Um, and then we had, and then we just kind of kept it going for 2023. And now we're already planning 2024, which is crazy, but really exciting at the same time, because it really does help keep our um, therapy scholarship program going, where we basically help fund for therapy sessions when insurance or out-of-pocket costs get too much. Um, So we're able to kind of, that's where a lot of our funding goes towards. And then the rest of um, kind of our bucket is um, kind of miscellaneous things, whether like it's calm corners for classrooms. Um, It could, we did like a gratitude journal drive essentially, where like if you bought a gratitude journal, we would donate one to the high school in Hudson. So we donated over like 400 gratitude journals to the counseling office, um, which was really cool. And then um, 
but it's been a couple of other fundraisers we've done in the past. We did an art show fundraiser. Um, and that was really awesome because local artists donated their artwork essentially. And then it was just an art show. So people purchased artwork and funds went towards the butterfly pass. So that was really awesome. Um, we did a mental health fair one year, the year before COVID hit. Um, and that was also kind of an added on fundraiser, essentially. It was good awareness for our organization and things like that. We always, um, we would have like our store set up so you could buy shirts and things like that. Um, and then of course we're bringing in local resources for mental health help and whatnot. Um, we were gonna do another mental health fair, but then COVID hit and it just got too, too much and gotta take care of our own mental health and things like that. So um yeah I mean I would love to do another mental health fair but the golf tournament um has been really also fun for our organization and it helps kind of honor our dad to um keep those memories alive and then yeah so it's been a little bit it's what been kind of growing each year yeah what does um like what's all included in your guys's mental health fair that you did um, we basically had, um, a couple dozen local businesses, whether they were therapy, they could have been from like the hospitals, they could be chiropractors, they could be healing centers. Um, they could be, I mean, anything that has to do with health in general, um, and we invited mm -hmm. them and we just hosted it at the Phipps in Hudson and um, kind of people came and they, they were all kind of set up as like they each had their own table. So they were all kind of tabling and it was cool. Oh, and it was nice awesome. for us to kind of network that way and get to know more local businesses as well. Thank you for listening to That Foreign Feeling. For more information on the Butterfly Path or this podcast, visit thatforeignfeeling.com.